0: Bible's Revelation chapter 14 and verse 17 Revelation 14 and verse 17 and there we're going to continue our study of this amazing book Uh, before we begin though, it's imperative that we take a little time for silent prayer to be sure that we are ready to study the Word of God it's uh, uh, the book of Revelation is a summary of unfulfilled prophecies of the Old Testament. So it is indeed a picture of things to come. What is going to happen? Coming events. We are, it certainly appears to be ending the, looking at nearing the end of the church age. Uh, one of the good things we find about this this book is that after chapter 4, the church is gone. That's us. So these events that we see are going to happen to the earth after we are gone. In chapter 19, we'll get to come back with the Lord at the second advent. Now, we've been looking at a lot of different things and how the pieces fit together, because it's like a massive jigsaw puzzle. You start with the corners, which are dispensations, different eras of history defined by God. And so you start at the corners, then you fill in the straight edges on a jigsaw puzzle, and those are the, the givens and the knowns. Then you start looking for pieces that look alike, on the, to fit into the interior and figure out where they go now that's what we're doing we are looking first of all we looked last week at the first reaping there are two reapings plugged into Revelation chapter 14 and when, you, when you're just blowing through reading the Bible and going through you're going what are these doing here well they play a very important role obviously they're a perfect position but you have to figure out why they're a perfect position and they, they are, because it's taking us into chapter 15, which is going to be the scene in heaven just before the second advent. And then it's going to take us to chapter 16, which are the bold judgments that are going to occur, again, just before the second advent. And then 17 and 18 are what are the two entities that help bring this all about. It's kind of, kind of gives us the... Uh, uh, the the keys to the whole thing in chapter 17 and 18. And then 19 is the Lord's return to make all of His enemies a footstool for His feet. So right now what we've found is some of the puzzle pieces that look alike. And we're assembling them. So hopefully when I get done this morning, you'll have a better picture of what this what this particular passage is talking about. But again we got to present ourselves in front of the throne of grace. Let the Holy Spirit be our real teacher. Pray that the words that, that come through my mouth will be His and that they will come out in the way that He wants them to come out. So let us prepare by going in front of the throne. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're so amazingly blessed to have Your Word perfectly handed down to us, preserved from the time in which it was written, and so we could open it up and look into it today and see magnificence and stand in awe of who you are, that you have preserved it and brought it to us at this day and time, 2,000 years or so after the last word was written. Father, I pray that we will see the significance of it, we'd be awestruck by it. And Father, I pray that we'd be able to understand it and remember it, and then use it wisely. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the uh, chart of things to come over here, (coughs) the chart of things to come, you guys have this memorized by now, I'm sure, right? You've been taking it home, thinking about it, studying it. And so that's good that you have. This will be a review for you. If it if you don't have it memorized, then we're going to go through it again. So hopefully you get some more. Chapter one: The Lord shows up, walking in the lampstands, gives a revelation to John on the Isle of Patmos in 96 A.D. Chapter two and three: Letters to the seven churches. It, after these chapters, the church disappears till chapter 19, which is an argument from silence that the church is gone. I believe it's a pretty good argument. Revelation 4:1, behold, I looked at door standing open in heaven, and when you study the other passages, it says there are two doors into the millennial kingdom. One is going to be the rapture, the other is advent. The rapture is the one we want to go in. See, because all follows after the rapture so if you're a believer whether you're awake or asleep and that's good to know whether, if you're a believer you're going to go in fact doing a, uh, uh, Ramona's uh, uh, funeral service yesterday we're standing in a graveyard you know if the rapture happened that'd be a great place to be I just think it'd be wonderful and it might scare the bejeebers out of a few people in the process but the dead in Christ will stand up first it's what it says. Some people would go, zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Those people come out of the graves are not going to be walking with dead in their eyes. Okay? And they're not going to be slow walking. They're going to come out of there in a new body is what's going to happen. And that new body is going to be good. Now, chapter 4 and 5, seen in heaven right after the rapture looking for someone worthy to open the seals of the book, the scrolls that unleashed the judgments. Only one was found worthy, it says, in heaven, on earth, or under the earth, and that is the Lamb that took away the sins of the world and provided for himself an inheritance of every tribe and nation and people and tongue. That's the Lamb. And he opened the seals. That's chapter 6, and the starting of that sets off some things in motion that are going to go on throughout the tribulation be a massive peace movement, rationing. There's going to be martyrs that's going to happen shortly thereafter because people will get saved right after the rapture. There's going to be an angel come through. And like I said, I think that people are still looking up wondering what happened to these people that left. And they're looking up and the angel gives that eternal gospel to everybody on the planet. And there'll be people that had a little bit of a clue and these people are going, they're going to be people believe. There's going to be two guys come on the scene. Revelation 11 talks about that. And these two guys, Moses and Elijah, representative of the Law and the Prophets, are going to minister outside of Jerusalem to the south. They're going to be giving the gospel as well. Out of that, 144,000 male virgin Jews are going to be saved. Everyone from every tribe except Dan. And that's, I believe, simply because they didn't have 12,000 male virgin Jews and the tribe of Dan whenever this occurs. Dan did not cease to exist because it's going to be there, the tribe in the millennial kingdom. They will indeed exist. And also, these two guys in red, two bad guys, the beast out of the sea and the false prophet, the Antichrist and the man that authenticates him. First angel... In Revelation 14, earlier part of this chapter, it tells us about the three angels. Second angel is going to come through and say, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. My guess is that the educated guess would probably be the first anniversary. Probably just about the time that this started to die down, the media started to tamper down this disappearance of all these people all over the planet is gonna and then guess what? Another angel's gonna come through. Fallen, fallen is Babylon. Are they gonna know what it is? Well maybe not, but they better find out what are the babylons that are in view and we've been studying those first hour in coming events there's a religious babylon and a prophetical babylon now after the uh, seals are open we find from revelation 8 1 that there are trumpets that are blown and it says there was silence in heaven for about half an hour and that means after this occurs then here are the trumpets are going to be blown. I was asked, when will prophetical Babylon be destroyed? I think it's at the early part of the beginning of the third year of the tribulation. That's connected to Jeremiah 51. We saw the first session this morning that talks about the destruction of prophetical Babylon being like a great burning mountain. Second trumpet judgment says something like a great burning mountain was thrown into the sea so we've got a timing calculation here it happens before the midpoint of the tribulation because the other trumpet is about the demons released from the bottomless pit and they torment people for five months so we have a silence of about a half an hour then we have these trumpets being blown the demons come out of the bottomless pit they go back about 30 days prior to the midpoint of the trib when these two witnesses are killed and lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. Now, that looks to be the first part of it. And then we get in Revelation 14, where we are. We get in our verses 14 to 16, and it talks about a reaping. And you're going, what is the reaping? And you start putting passages together, and it is, the first one is a reaping that occurs over the earth. And it is the Lord sitting there with a the sickle, and he's gonna do a reaping. It's not into the earth, that's the one we're gonna see this morning. But there are two specific reapings. So what's he getting what's he teaching us about? Why would he go back to the rapture here and then on to the second advent? Because that's the second reaping. We'll see that in just a little bit. Why would he go first to the rapture and I believe to connect the connect the dots? First of all, there's two doors into the millennial kingdom. For one thing, there are things that have to happen. The Lord is going to reap and bring to himself a people for his own possession. That's going to be the church. So there's been that reaping when the sickle is swung over the earth. Now we're going to see the sickle swung into the earth. Okay, It is going to be a different type of reaping. The first one, he's going to take out the righteous us and leave the wicked the next one he's going to take out the wicked and he's going to leave the righteous Okay, second advent and we're going to connect the dots and the lines on that and look at the evidence that goes with that as we go through here now <clears throat> this one is known as the wine press the second reaping is the wine press of the wrath of God and you'll see how the puzzle pieces all fit together beautifully as we look at it And it says in verse 17, and another angel. Another, what? This is an Alos angel, which means another of the same kind. So, what kind of same kind of angel are we talking about? We're talking about an angel like the ones that made the announcements. The first one is the eternal gospel. Second one, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Third one is, don't take the mark of the beast. That also tells us the mark of the beast will start being installed around the third year. And that's a warning. That's a warning to everybody because the beast has been rising to power. He's been consolidating his kingdom or trying to. And he's going to install this mark of the beast. And this angel talks to the whole world and says, don't take it. Don't take the mark. Nobody will have an excuse because everybody will hear it. And it says, And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven. And we kind of looked at that and see the church is the temple of God. Whenever we're caught up in the rapture, guess what? This part of the temple is going to be up there in heaven. Which is in heaven. And he also had a sharp sickle. Now this is an angel. The angel is under the direction of Jesus Christ. Revelation 8 verses 3 to 5 Kind of interesting there. This is the Lord, I believe, functioning as the high priest. Uh, the, the, high, the high priest of what? The church. After the order of Melchizedek. Another angel came and stood at the altar. Having a golden censer. And this is the beginning of the blowing of the trumpet judgments. And much incense was given to him. Only the priest... With the Jews went into the uh, holy place, and they offered up incense on the altar of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, with the with the prayers of the saints, went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, he filled it with the fire of the altar, and he threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning in an earthquake. So there's going to be a point of time when coming out of heaven is going to be fire going down to the earth. Now, what did Jesus say? Why put this Luke 12:49 passage in? Because this is Jesus talking. He says, I've come to cast fire on the earth. People are going, what are you doing here? Luke 12 is another prophetic passage. Okay, that, is, that is given in the Gospel of Luke... prior to Luke 21... which is the Olivet Discourse... so it says... Uh, this is Jesus... I've come to cast fire on the earth... and how I wish it were already kindled... by the way this is worded... it appears that he has reserved this for himself... to be the one to cast the fire on the earth... they can accomplish it through his angels... He orders them to do that and that's what he does. And he says, but, I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is accomplished. When he came at the first advent, what's he going to do? Cast fire on the earth. What do you want to do? Cast it then, Because he saw the evil of mankind. But he said, something else has got to happen first. The baptism, of course, we know is the cross. This paragraph is connected to the second advent. When Jesus makes his enemies a footstool for his feet. Now, I'm kind of giving you a clue because you're going to see this develop. I'm, I'm, I'm being a Jew right now. Jews give you a bottom line then explain it. Okay, We Greeks give all the reasons and then we give the bottom line. This is a bottom line verse that's in here of where we're going because all of it fits into it Psalm 110 if you want to follow along go ahead and turn there while I lube my voice up again Psalm 10 110 this is an amazing Psalm the Lord says to my Lord <laughs> okay this is one that stymied the Jews this is one Jesus got him with psalm of david he says how can david call him jehovah and he be david's son because when you identify these the lord says to my lord he is david's god and david's son And they argued about that, the first advent, trying to figure it out. And Jesus just sent them back into their argument by asking them that question. Because they didn't have an answer for it. There's only one answer. He's God and man. (laughs) It's the only answer that fits that. How can that verse be accurate? Only way, God becomes man. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make my... Make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth his strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power and holy array from the womb of the dawn. Thy youth are to thee as the dew. The Lord is sworn, and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. It's the only place that says that in the Old Testament. Melchizedek is talked about and described in Genesis 14. The other place it's found is in Hebrews 5 and 6. This new priesthood for the millennial kingdom will be after the order of Melchizedek. See, the Israel priesthood was after the order of Aaron. The church priesthood is a royal universal priesthood. When the priesthood changes of necessity, there's a change of law that goes with it. And this change of the priesthood is for the millennial kingdom. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of His wrath. You know anywhere else wrath is talked about in the Bible? Revelation. He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country he will drink from the brook by the wayside therefore he will lift up his head the Lord will be the victor now this is a powerful statement of the omnipotence of the almighty who has become man and has dwelt among us and one of these days he is going to make all of his enemies a footstool for his feet you say why hadn't he done it now You know he has ample reason. He's had ample reason for a long, long time. Back before you and I ever existed. He had reason to do this. But he said not yet. Because he is a God of grace. He is a God of grace. He wants more people to be with him for all of eternity. So he is long suffering. He is patient. He gives us more than we can ever think or imagine. He makes it. Available. Then there's another angel. See, there's the first harvest, fourteen to sixteen. Another harvest. Then another angel in verse eighteen. It says, and "Another angel, another angel of the same kind. The one who has power over fire came out from the altar." Now, the altar. The word is thusiasterion. It's used twenty-three times. It's a general term for altar. And you have to try and figure out which altar it is. Because its basic meaning is it's a place of sacrifice. But it can be used for the bronze altar. It can be used for the altar of incense. It can be used for the altar where Abraham placed his son Isaac. And it can be used for the altar of the soul. We have an altar from which we serve. In Revelation... It's frequently used at the golden altar that is before the throne of God. That's most frequently what it's used for. Came out from the altar, and he, this is the fire angel now, called out with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle. Gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, so you have to pay attention to all the words that get put into these things because this vine of the earth is something earthly it is not the vine which is Jesus Christ it's different it's counterfeit because her grapes are ripe in other words the time of evil the judgment on evil has come it is the vine of the earth now who is the vine of the earth The response by the angel. And the angel swung his sickle. It's interesting, the word swung is "balo," which is a word for throw. He threw his sickle into the earth. Now he's obviously a pretty good shot. If he lets go of it, he is going to cut down exactly what he wants to cut down. He threw his sickle, not to the earth, into the earth. Preposition ice, E I S, means from the outside in. One of the very basic rules you learn in Greek grammar, means from the outside in. So he he threw it into the earth and he gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth. Then he threw them into preposition ice once again, the great wine press. Wine press is the word lanon. L e n o n. It's used five times. It's all found in the book of Revelation except Matthew 21:33. We're going to see this again. We're going to have three usages here. The the other use is in Revelation 19:15, and this is what connects the dots to us and lets us know that this great wine press of the wrath of God is connected to the second advent. He says, of the wrath, and this is thumos, it's not the orge word. Orge is the long, burning, slow anger. The word thumos is the explosive anger. See, the orge burns for a long period of time because righteousness is not happy with unrighteousness. Absolute righteousness of God does not like unholiness. Does not. And so there's a anger that builds, but then when it comes about, it's quick, it's explosive, and of course, none of us know about explosive anger. Things that just happen all at once. You just get kaboom, and there it is. And then it says, and the wine press was trodden outside the city. What city? Jerusalem. Outside the city, blood came out from the wine press, up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Uh, literally, it's a distance of 1,600 furlongs. A furlong is a stadion. Now, I guess unless you um, bet on the ponies, you're probably not going to know what a furlong is. But a furlong is approximately 200 yards. Okay, and that tells us it's a little longer than two football fields. right? It's approximately 200 yards, or actually 200 meters. I said 200 yards, about 200 meters. Bethany, the city of Bethany, not the Bethany that we're in right now, but the, the Bethany over there by Jerusalem, is stated to be 15 furlongs roughly from Jerusalem, about 3,000 meters, About 1.7 miles. So Bethany is one of those places that we actually have the word used that gives us some idea as to the distance that it was between Bethany where Jesus often stayed and Jerusalem. So when he walked into Jerusalem from Bethany from his friend's house then that was less than two miles. That's about what the distance was. Now The angel of 1417 is an avenging angel armed like Jesus Christ in 1414. Because Jesus is the one sitting on the cloud that had the sickle and he swings the sickle over the earth. And this angel's given a specific task. Again, there's a discriminating instrument of judgment which is the sickle. It's got to be in the hands of the right person. Otherwise, you sickle stuff you shouldn't. Cut down things that you shouldn't. So here the sickle is used as a discriminating instrument of judgment. The angel of 1418, who has the authority over fire, is clearly connected to the, chapter, to the angel of chapter 8, 1-5, which is Jesus Christ. But it looks like he sends the angel in this, where he is talking about himself in chapter 8. But this angel is operating in accord with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to use fire to destroy the king of the north. Now, eventually we had to get to these chapters. Turn to Ezekiel 38, if you would. This is two of the chapters, and we're going to go through them. Uh, Not in the same depth I normally go through things. This is pretty straightforward, the way it's translated into the English. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, one of the reasons I want to spend a little time with it is to point out some things. Because there are some pre-tribbers. We're pre-tribulational. That's what we believe is the way God has revealed Himself. We're going to be raptured before the tribulation. There are some of those that think the rapture is going to happen and maybe even before the rapture Ezekiel 38 and 39 is going to happen they're going to try to put Iran into all these things and working with Iran on the end time prophecies and they're doing all this sort of stuff. Another thing that they're going to do, some believe that there's the rapture and then a gap before the tribulation begins and they put Ezekiel 38 and 39 in that particular Time frame that's not really even a dispensation, but that's where they try to fit this. now I want you to just follow with me because it's pretty straightforward when it fits. Okay? Ezekiel thirty eight one, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the land the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, these are lands to the north. They're cities to the north of Jerusalem. These are words that are frequently used to describe where Moscow is now, which is due north of Jerusalem. So it's talking about a king out of the north. Now, we've seen that the destroyer of prophetical Babylon is a king of the north Okay, that has an alliance of, of other nations. And it said, and say, Thus says the Lord God, I am against you, O Gog, Prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. And I will turn you about, I'll put hooks into your jaws, I'll bring you out and all your army. Horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, a great company, with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords. Now I'm going to try to put some puzzle pieces together again. Daniel chapter 11. When the king of the north passes by to the west side of the city of Jerusalem en route to Egypt to defeat the king of the south. That happens later on in the tribulational period to defeat the king of the south. Then rumors from the north and the east, or the west and the east, send him back toward Jerusalem that's because he's invaded defeated the king of the south the kings of the east are now moving to the south end of the dead sea and the king of the west is the antichrist and he's assembling in the valley of isdraelon for the final battle of har megadon armageddon as we as we know it okay so this is just said I'll turn you about why would that be in there because after he defeats the king of the south daniel says rumors sent him back around, the Lord said I'm bringing you back, I'm pointing you back north here, so that connects to Daniel 11, and then he says who else is with him, Persia Ethiopia, and put with them, now Persia is modern day around Ethiopia is still in North Africa, is where it is, so it fits with the king of the north, defeating the king of the south turning back around, the Ethiopians going back with them and put, I'd forget where that particular place is all of them with shield and helmet it's basically saying that people from the north country Iran people from the south country have joined in with this uh, king of the north gomer with all its troops bar to goma with the remote parts of the north with all its troops many peoples with you be prepared And prepared yourself, you and all your companies that are assembled about you, be a guard for them. And after many days you will be summoned. In the latter years, it tells us when the many days are. You will come into the land that is restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had been a continual waste. And its people were brought out from the nations, and they were living securely all of them. It's saying that Israel had been brought back into the land in which it's supposed to be. Okay, The king of the north comes down, defeats the king of the south, and he turns back, and he's headed back in that direction. There's another puzzle piece that fits here. Revelation 10. When the angel, Michael, the guardian prince of Israel, takes his foot, one foot in the sea, the other foot on the land, and he's facing south. What's happened? The king of the north has moved down south. He turns back to lay siege toward Jerusalem. And he's look, they're looking face to face with Michael, the archangel. I want to see that one play out. Okay, We're going to be in the arena of history with a great cloud of witnesses up there. So we'll get a look at it. But I want to see just what he does. Is Michael a little guy about my size that just says, Come on, bring it on. Or is he is he... Uh, significantly larger. What? How's he going to manifest himself is the question I'm asking. And you, this king of the north, will go up. You'll come like a storm. You'll be like a cloud covering the land. You and all your troops and many people with you. They're going to come back and lay siege to Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord God, it will come about on that day that thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil plan. And you will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I'll go against those who are at rest and live securely, all of them living without walls and having no bars or gates. Why are they living securely? Because they made a covenant with the Antichrist. That's how they were able to go through there and defeat the king of the south. Because who is an enemy of the Antichrist? A monotheist, right? Who's the king of the south? Islam who are the kings of the east polytheist who do they kill and route to the south end of the dead sea Islam monotheist it's a holy war and it says now you're going to go back and then they decide to get back into Israel and hey we got free passage through here because there's no resistance to them going to the west side of Jerusalem When they invade the king of the south. No resistance at all. Now they come back in and go. Hey this is easy pickings. And if you've just seen Egypt. And you come back into a land flowing with milk and honey. You might be interested in making it your own. The Russians have always been known for that anyway. It says, To capture spoil, to seize plunder, to turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited, and against the people who are gathered from the nations, who have acquired cattle and good and live at the center of the world. They're talking about Israel restored back into the land when this has happened. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all of its, all of its villages say to you, have you come to capture spoil have you assembled your company to seize plunder to carry away silver and gold take away cattle and goods and capture great spoil that's for the, that's what they decided they're going to do therefore prophesy son of man and say to Gog. here he is talking to Ezekiel and if I should have put it in context of Ezekiel to begin with because if we were to go back to Ezekiel 34 to 36 or 37 what is that the restoration of Israel. You ever read the passage about the dry bones all laid out across everything? And these dry bones, all of a sudden they start coming back together. Skin starts being put back on them. And a the breath is breathed into them. Then this is chapter 38 and 39. Okay? Israel has come back to the land. You say, well, they're in unbelief right now. But you know what's going to start happening in the tribulation? With Moses and Elijah, and 144,000, they're going to come to worship the Lord Almighty. Not all the false prophet is a Jew who's going to continue to lead them on in their actually the polytheist way because he's going to authenticate this this antichrist guy. But he says, "Thus says the Lord God: On that day when my people Israel are living securely." Will you not know it? You will come from your place out of the remote parts of the north. You and many peoples with you, all of them riding horses, a great assembly, a mighty army. That's the cavalry has gone through there. And you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. And it will come about in the last days that I shall bring you against my land the last days look usually at days before a great prophetic event. There has been one that's happened called the rapture. The next one is the second advent. This is pushing this events into the last part of the tribulation. And he says, And I shall bring you against my land in order that the nations may know me when I shall be sanctified through you before their eyes, O Gog. Thus says the Lord God. Are you the one of whom I spoke in former days through my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied in those days for many years that I would bring you against them? And it will come about on that day when God comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, my fury will mount up in my anger. And in my zeal and in my blazing wrath I will declare on that day... There surely be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Now see, I can, we can connect the dots here. Because what's going to happen in the bowl judgments? The last one is going to be an earthquake of such a nature that it's going to split Jerusalem into three parts. Okay, So he's brought them in. This is another one of those connectors. Earthquakes all through the tribulation. But when it puts great in front of it, in the Bible is it said as something unusual in the land of Israel. And the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, beasts of the fields, all the creeping things that creep on the earth, and all the men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence when he unleashes the bold judgments. They are still fighting against the God of the heaven. But when he does it, there's not anybody left on this planet doesn't know it's not the God of the heavens that's bringing all this stuff. He's bringing it on. He says the mountains will be thrown down. Steep pathways will collapse and every wall will fall to the ground. This is talking about the events just prior to the second advent. And I shall call for a sword against him on my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. It will be believer versus unbeliever. And with pestilence and with blood I will enter into judgment with him. I will rain on him and on his troops and on the many peoples who are with him a torrential rain with hailstones, fire, and brimstone. What happens on the sixth bowl? I've read ahead hundred pound hailstones okay you think these are connected I believe these verses are clearly connected and I shall magnify myself capital M this is the Lord God sanctify myself and make myself known in the sight of many nations and they will know that I am the Lord and you son of man Prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, Prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I shall turn you around, drive you on, take you up from the remotest parts of the north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. And I shall strike your bow from your left hand, and dash down your arrows from your right hand. You shall fall on the mountains of Israel you and all your troops and the people who are with you I shall give you as food to every kind of predatory bird and beast of the field. That's connected to Revelation 19 when he gathers together all the, the, the vultures the carrion birds the ones that eat the waste he gathers them all together. You will fall on the open field for it's I who have spoken declares the Lord God and I shall send fire upon Magog see this fire that is already connected to be dropped by this angel at a specific point in time I believe is in conjunction with all the bowl judgments right here it's in conjunction with the, the second advent and the destruction of the king of the north in my holy name I shall make known in the midst of my people Israel and I shall not let my holy name be profaned any more. Now if you want to know what the timing is of this it can't be pre-tribulation or that wouldn't be fulfilled. It can't be tribulational other than near the end of it or it can't be fulfilled because people will blaspheme him all the way up till the time that he comes back and splits Mount Mount of Olives open and, and the Jews run through it. And he says, And the nations will know that I am Jehovah, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is coming. It shall be done, declares the Lord God. It's the day of which I have spoken. Then those who inhabit the cities of Israel will go out and make fires with the weapons. Burn them. Now see, this is not pre <laughs> Hey? Who's going to give up a weapon in the tribulation? Millennial Kingdom, what are they going to do? They're going to take all their weapons, burn them, shields, bucklers, bows, arrows, war clubs, spears for seven years. They'll make fires out of them. They will not take wood from the field or gather firewood from the forest. They will make fires with the weapons. And they will take the spoil of those who despoil them and seize the plunder of those who plundered them, declares the Lord God. And it will come about on that day I will give Gog a burial ground in Israel the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will block off the passers-by. So they will bury Gog there with all his multitude, and they will call it the valley of Haman Gog. For seven months the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Even all the people of the land will bury them. It will be their renown on the day that I glorify myself, declares the Lord God. They'll set apart men who will constantly pass through the land, burying those who are passing through, even those left on the surface of the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months they will make a search. And as those who pass through the land pass through, and anyone who sees a man's bone, then he will set up a marker by it until the bari- barriers have buried it in the valley of hamon And even the name of the city will be Hamona. So they, will call, so they will cleanse the land. As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God. Speak to every kind of bird, to every beast of the field. Assemble, come together from every side to my sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice for you uh, as a great sacrifice on the mountains of Israel that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You may eat the flesh of the mighty men and drink the blood of the princes of the earth so you'll eat fat you'll be glutted from my table he's saying he's going to feed the birds Revelation 19 talks about it again see here is a prophecy given 500 years before Christ never has been fulfilled and it's going to happen verse 21 I shall set my glory among the nations and all the nations will see my judgment which I have executed my hand which I have laid on them See, it's interesting because they'll all be gathered together in that one place. And the house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God from that day onward. We are talking of passages that deal with just before the millennial kingdom. And the nations will know that the house of Israel went into exile for their iniquity. Because they acted treacherously against me, and I hid my face from them. So I gave them into the hand of their adversaries, and all of them fell by the sword. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, I dealt with them, and I hid my face from them. But look at verse 25. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Now I shall restore the fortunes of Jacob. Have mercy on the whole house of Israel and I shall be jealous for my holy name. They shall forget their disgrace and all their treachery which they perpetrated against me when they live securely on their own land with no one to make them afraid. When I bring them back from the peoples I gather from the land of their enemies and I will be Shall be sanctified through them in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God. Because I made them go into exile among the nations. Gathered them again to their own land. I'll leave none of them there any longer. I'll not hide my face from them any longer. For I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel. Declares the Lord. These are tremendous chapters. They are. Chapters that just have said that God sent him out because of his holiness, and then He brought him back. And if you remember the the Mount of Olives, the Olivet Discourse, and the Lord said, "I will gather together my elect from the four winds of the earth. I'm going to bring him back. When, right at the end of the tribulation, He is going to bring back Jews that are still spread out all over the planet." He's going to remove the goats, which are the unbelievers. Thus all Israel shall be saved. And that's how they're going to start the millennial kingdom. They're going to bury the dead for seven months. They're going to destroy all the weapons of war. United Nations is not. Note that. People will be armed until then. But that's what the Lord has in store. He's going to use fire to destroy this king in the north. But when does he do it? Right after he sets foot on the Mount of Olives. And splits it in half. He is going to use one word to stop the Antichrist. Remember a mighty fortress is our God. In that passage it goes, One little word shall fail him. That's all it takes. If he can bring the heavens into existence with a word... He can sure take on Big Mouth with a word. This is the Lord, the relationship of Israel as the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is Him. Showed up in Genesis 22 to Abraham, showed up in Exodus 3 to Moses. This is the angel of the Lord wreaking vengeance upon the planet and bringing about thousand years of peace man can't do it only the almighty can what a message that this has been delivered to us from 2500 years ago and we're not far away isn't that amazing do we stand in awe of this God let's pray thank you father for this day thank you for your word Father thank you for the encouragement of it we see evil go on and go on and unrighteousness go on and go on people not availing themselves of the grace that you have offered so freely and the salvation that you have provided so that all one has to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and Father we pray that in this time frame in which we live we pray that more and more people the Holy Spirit would convict of sin and righteousness and judgment We pray the gospel would get to them very clearly. And Father, we do pray that there would be more added into this bride for your son known as the church. Father, we give you the praise because it's an amazing plan. And we thank you for the privilege of participation in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.